I loved the lesson this week. I absolutely loved it. I love, love, love this book, in case you haven't been able to tell from all the times that I've told you that I love, love, love this book. And um, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. God, we just come before you tonight. And Lord, we are so in awe of who you are. I can't get this scene out of my mind. Lord, you are so worthy of praise. You're so worthy of glory. You're so worthy of honor. And, and even as the song that we sang, Lord, if we didn't praise you, even the rocks would cry out. And God, sometimes it seems that rocks crying out would be more adequate than, than me trying to speak what you've put on my heart and I just stand before you as Moses as we all do in so many areas and we just say at the burning bush God who who do I say that you are and what do I even say and and who do I tell them that you are and so Lord I just pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight Lord so far beyond human words God would you impress the truth of who you are upon our hearts. God, would you remove the Uzziahs? Would you give us a picture of heaven? Would you give us a picture of you, holy and high and exalted? Lord, we can't wait to see this scene for ourselves. But Lord, we are so excited that you included it in your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I love this scene that we had in Isaiah today. And and I love that Revelation chapter 4 gives us an even more in-depth look at this scene that was going on. The version of this scene in heaven says that the four living creatures were around the throne. They do not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. I love this scene. Can you picture it? Here's God seated on his throne and the living creatures are around it and and they don't cease day or night to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever these living creatures give glory to God, which they don't cease day or night, the 24 elders fall down on their faces and they say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And then they stand up. And then the living creatures say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then the elders fall down. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. This is what's going on 
around the throne day and night, day and night, day and night, 24 hours a day, if that's how it works in heaven, day and night, day and night, the living creatures constantly saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, elders fall down. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I cannot wait to get to heaven and see the scene. Like, I just hope that we can hop in there with the living creatures just really fast and holy, 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 and then we can like stand back with the elders. You are worthy. I just, I can't wait to be there. And I was wondering about when King Uzziah died, if Isaiah kind of thought, oh no. Because, I mean, really King Uzziah, like Debbie taught us last week, was an amazing king. He was godly. He was holy. He had a little bit of trouble at the end of his life, but he was godly and holy and loved the Lord and wanted to serve God. And I just wonder if after he died, if Isaiah kind of felt like Elijah. Remember when Elijah went to the cave and he said, I alone am left to serve you, O Lord. And I wonder if Isaiah thought that. Maybe he thought, oh no, now they just have me. And then he gets this clear picture of heaven And he realizes, woe unto me, for I'm a sinful man. And he thought, oh no, now they don't even have me. Like they're left completely alone. But with that clear picture of Jesus on the throne, I bet Isaiah was anything but worried about the nation of Israel. With watching those living creatures, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the seraphim saying it, and the, and the elders falling down before God, pronouncing glory and honor and power. I bet at that moment, Isaiah was less worried about the future of his nation than he had ever been before in his life. We have the Lord alone, but he is more than enough. We only have God And yet he is completely adequate for everything that we need. It was Jason's birthday on Tuesday, in case anybody in the world somehow missed that. In case he didn't put it in the Isaiah reading schedule on Wednesday night. In case he didn't announce it on Sunday morning. In case he didn't tell you as he was passing you in the hallways. It was Jason's birthday on Tuesday. And I wanted to give him something just fun and special. And he wanted tickets to the Torrey Pines Golf Tournament on Saturday. How boring is that to give? Here's your envelope. So I got him that, but I still wanted to do something fun and special. And so I combined a couple of ideas that I had seen on Pinterest. And I got him a jar. And I made 140 hearts. And I wrote 140 of my favorite things about you. And, and I was writing out my little hearts and, um, you know, I really thought I knew how blessed I was. I love my husband. I mean, he is just the cutest thing in the world. We've been married for 14 and a half years and I'm just so, so, so in love with him. And I know that I'm a blessed woman, but I didn't quite know how blessed I was until I started writing everything out. I mean, you know, the first like 40 were easy. Like, You put up with the fact that I paint everything and you don't know what color things are going to be when you walk into my house. You put up with the fact that I rearrange the furniture all the time and you don't know where to throw your keys because there's always something in a new place. You put up with the fact that I get furniture off of people's curbs that they think is trash and I bring it into my house and I make it things that are pretty. 
you put up with everything. You make great sandwiches. You make great eggs. And so I wrote out like the first 40 so fast and the kids were going, I like it when you tickle me. And, and we were writing out these things and then I hit kind of this lull. And don't tell him because he thinks that I came up with all of these by myself. And, um, and I, I hit kind of this lull. And so I went on one of the sites that I got this idea from on Pinterest. It was like made out of a deck of cards, 52 things I love about you. And, and so I was reading this girl's list and it was things like, you open the car door for me. And I thought, oh, well, he does do that for me. Okay. I'll write that down. And you have family time during halftime. And I thought, oh, he does that too. That's amazing. Okay. You do laundry and dishes. Oh, He knows how to do those things, and if I let him, he'll do it. So I wrote those things down. And as I started looking at these other people's lists, I saw that what I see as common and normal is blessed. It's outstanding. It's beautiful. What started as a project that I wanted to do to be sweet to Jason ended up with me in tears Because I hadn't realized that some people don't have these things. That some people count them as outstanding. And I count them as a normal way of life. And I am so, so, so in love with him now. Because it's so much more than I had even realized. I was so much more blessed than I even understood that I was. And with the topic of God being high, exalted, holy, worthy of worship. See, the King Uzziahs can get in the way of the life that we understand that we have, or the King Uzziahs of the world can get in the way of us understanding the way of life that we have. Because Uzziah had made the kingdom prosperous. He was one of the greatest kings that the nation of Israel had ever had. They were wealthy, during the time of Uzziah. They were prosperous financially during the time of Uzziah. They were protected during the time of Uzziah. And until the King Uzziahs of life fall, it's kind of easy to think, well, this way of life is normal. Doesn't everybody live with financial security that we have with King Uzziah? Doesn't everybody live with the prosperity and the protection and the blessings that we have with King Uzziah? This is a way of life that I'm used to. And I started thinking of my favorite things about Jason Project in light of God, holy and high and exalted. And I realized, wow, this is what we do with God too. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. No matter your financial state in this room, we are more blessed than 95% of the world. No matter the state of health that you have, we're blessed by God because we breathe. We are so blessed by God. What we see as normal everyday life is really just because God is holy, high, exalted, and so in love with each one of us. We've become accustomed to a certain way of life. And the things that we count as normal, we need to count as blessings. When we take away the things that we're accustomed to, we realize how blessed we were. And don't we say it? I mean, we know we're blessed. We know that God is holy. We know he's exalted. We know he's high. And so we say things like, oh yeah, God's exalted. God's on the throne. 
so blessed, blessed I am. Because we know that that's what we're supposed to say. Because we know that it's true deep down. But when we realize who we are and who it is that God is and what we actually deserve compared to what we have, it's then that our lives go from holy and exalted in speech to holy and exalted in amazement. I was reading a book last year called 1,000 Gifts. Has anybody ever read that book? By Ann Voskamp. I love that book. Okay, so many more of your hands need to raise next time I ask that question. 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. I love, love, love that book. It's been such a sweet blessing to our family. And she goes through and she tells her a little testimony and she talks about, you know, how, where she is now and how God walked her through to this place of thankfulness and keeping a list of the things that God did, the little blessings that she would have, popped popcorn, kids that wore socks, um, snow on the windows, just little tiny blessings that we may count for normal, rainy days, jackets to wear, shoes to wear. We are so blessed every day. And so she talks about how she started keeping a list of things that she was thankful for, and she couldn't believe how blessed she was. And we started doing this in my family, and I have a big white doily on our refrigerator that says, give thanks to the Lord, or some kind of verse like that. And just looking for things to write down that you're thankful for, you realize you're so blessed. We are so blessed by God. And I was thinking about, you know, just making these hearts for Jason and how blessed I was with him. And I wanted to count the blessings that God had given to me. I wanted to count the ways that God loved me this week, the way that God was holy and exalted and high. Psalm 103.2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Don't we forget don't we forget how blessed we are? I told you girls this story before, but my mom did the most annoying thing in the entire world when I was growing up, and now I make my kids do it all the time because that's usually the way that parental relationships go. And I would be complaining about something or upset about this or mad about that, and she would say, now tell me five things that you're thankful for. Mom, I'm thankful that I only have to say five I'm thankful that I get to go to the mall. And, you know, I would go through my little five lists of things like it was the worst thing in the world. But it made me into such a thankful person. You know what? I make myself do that today. When I'm mad, when I'm upset, when I don't like somebody, I hear God say, now tell me five things that you do like about them. Well, I'll try, but I don't know if I can. There's thousands of things that I could like about that person, chances are there's just one thing that I didn't like about that person, what they said, what they did, how they made me mad. We are so blessed by God. David said, forget not all his benefits. Here he is, high, exalted, holy, and yet loving me. That should astound me. And it does to a certain extent, But it doesn't astound me completely, but I want it to. It doesn't astound me to the point of the place where Job is. I told you girls that I'm reading the one-year Bible in the morning and the chronological one-year Bible at night. And right now at nighttime, I'm reading about Job because, you know, that was one of the oldest books of the Bible. 
And so I'm reading him at night, and I'm reading about Joseph in the morning. I mean, talk about like just a double whammy of, oh my goodness, I am so nothing in this Christian faith. You've got Job at night, Joseph in the morning, and I so badly need God to take me so much farther than I am. Job, should we not accept good as well as bad? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was astounded that God would even give him anything, let alone the fact that he would take it away. And me, I'm astounded that he loves me. I'm astounded that he blessed me. But I'm honestly more astounded when the blessings stop. I'm like, what? What what happened? Where did it go? What's going on? I'm not astounded to the extent of Joseph. Don't worry, he said to his brothers. God brought me here. It wasn't you. I know it was your hands, but it wasn't you. It was God. I don't know what I would say, but I can tell you what I feel when I've been wrongly judged today, when I've been unfairly treated, when I've been lied about, gossiped about, wrongly sentenced, forgotten, and seemed to have the opportunity of revenge in my hand. And honestly, it can be very far from where Joseph was, so far from Joseph. And here's this God who's holy, exalted, high, lifted up, yet loving me. That's amazing to me. It's more amazing to me that he looks upon me than it is that he's holy and exalted. I looked up some of the words this week. I hope you girls did too. Which, this has really nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. But before I forget, there's a um, website called Bible Hub. Have you heard of that? And if you look up the verse, like, you know, you can Google whatever verse we're on, like Isaiah 6-1, and then just like backslash it with Bible Hub, it'll take you to this website and it has all the different versions of that verse. But then if you keep scrolling, it has Matthew Henry commentary, it has the Gill's expositional commentary, it has a ton of commentary just on that verse. So this has nothing to do with anything, but Bible Hub, it's really, really good. So I looked up some words. I hope you did too. The word holy means exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness, divine. Exalted means elevated in rank, character, status, lofty, sublime, noble, exaggerated, inflated, And then Dawn said in the leaders meeting tonight that she looked up exalted and it meant a happy, jubilant place. I love that. Exalt means to elevate praise. Praise means to say or write good things about someone or something, to express approval of or to express thanks to or love and respect. So here's this holy, high, exalted, divine, lofty, sublime, worthy of praise God who looks upon us and our needs and sends the rain and loves us so beautifully. And I think of David when he wrote Psalm 8, when he was looking up in the stars. Remember that night? Remember when he wrote that? He's looking up at the stars, laying in a shepherd's field, and he said, what is man that you're mindful of me? Or the son of man, that you would take notice of me. I say that verse, and I'm amazed for the moment. But I want to be continually amazed, even when the blessings stop. 
Even when Joseph's brothers are throwing me into a pit, even when they're questioning my motives, even when, like Job, everything gets taken away, I want to still be amazed at how high and exalted God is. Jesus said to his disciples and to us, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. What? We're the friends of the holy and exalted God? Tonight, right here, where we are, as we sit, we're God's friends? That's amazing that this holy, high, exalted God would want to call me friend. It's amazing. This one who's high and lifted up with the train of his glory filling the temple, and he calls me friend. I mean, you know how it is when you see somebody important that maybe you met like once a long time ago, and they know your name, or even if they don't know your name, they say, hi, good to see you again, and you're like, they know my name. They remembered me. That's so exciting. I don't have that happen to me often, but I imagine that that would be really exciting. But they're of passing importance. God is not of passing importance. God is always high, always exalted, always holy, always lifted up, always seated upon his throne. And he says to you, friend, I know the number of hairs on your head. I know your name, I know your past, present, your future, and I am so desperately in love with you. And as it stands this day, I could not love you any speck more if you were to become great and amazing. My love is complete and perfect in you. Do we understand that this God is our friend. I mean, this God who the Jewish people thought his name was so holy that the scribes, when they were copying the transcripts or manuscripts of the Bible, when they got to his name, would rise and give themselves a ceremonial cleansing and bath before they wrote his name. And even when they did write his name, they left out the vowels because they thought it was too holy for them to write. And this God tonight looks at us and says, I'm holy, I'm exalted, and I'm your friend, and I love you. This is the one who knows us. I need such a bigger picture of who this God is. So I wanted to keep track of the amazing ways that God loved me in light of how high and holy and exalted he is because God put on my heart that true worship can only be had when we see someone's greatness and our littleness. We have to see both if we're going to have a true worship moment. We have to see the greatness of God and at the same time our littleness. We have to see his vastness and our smallness, his unfathomability and our end. We have to see how high he is. The King Uzziah way of life that I've become accustomed to needs to be recognized as not normal, but a blessing. Some of my favorite things this week that God put on my heart were, he knows the number of hairs on our head. Why would he do that when he also knows the exact number of stars in the sky? He made them and calls them all by name. Why would he care to know our names too? He's the author and finisher of our faith, and yet he takes the time to knit babies together in their mother's womb. So small, and yet he holds all things together, and in him 
all things consist. He holds the universe in the span of his hand. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. How great and mighty do you have to be to have that happen? The God of glory thunders and yet is careful enough to know when a deer gives birth or even more when a little ant gives birth. King of kings and Lord of lords and yet will someday give me a crown to wear? I can't wait to throw that back at his feet and say, oh no, it was all you. Every, every drop of it was all you. He flies upon the wings of the wind. The foundations of the world are uncovered at his rebuke. He puts us on people's heart for prayer. Does that amaze you? Does that happen to you? I was having such a hard time this week with, with some dumb little friend drama that's going on. That dumb, I mean, seriously, I don't think we ever get much past junior high, do we? And somebody that day just texted me and said, you're on my heart, or God put you on my heart and praying for you. And I thought, wow, this dumb little friend drama. And God said, oh, text her. She needs a word from me. Wow, that's amazing that he would take me and put me on somebody's heart. He moves mountains. Job said if he commands, the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine. The things that we think regular and infinite, he says, "Uh uh-uh, not if I don't command it. Job said he performs countless miracles. He marches on the waves of the sea. The waves of the sea, what tosses us, what throws us, what throws us for a loop, and we end up full of salt water and full of sand in places that we didn't want sand in. He just marches on him like nothing. The whole world belongs to him, and yet he gave me a good parking space. That's amazing to me that here he's got, you know, Obama and the nations and the world to deal with. And, oh, here's Target. There's a parking spot for you, just like you asked. Who is this God? And that was just like a speck of what he's done for me this week. Like a tiny little nothing of the blessings that I've received. I long to be like the seraphim, the elders, the living creatures, falling before his throne day and night, never ceasing to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Remember Job when he went through all of his suffering. And God came to him, and he didn't say, oh, Job, I'm so sorry. Or, oh, Job, let me explain to you why. He came to him with a list of, have you? Do you? Were you? Do you know where the treasury of snow is? Do you protect the baby ostriches, Job? Were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I created the ocean? That's what he came to Job with. Not an explanation of why he did what, because we don't need to know the backstory. We need to know the high exalted and holy story. We don't need to know what happened. We don't need to know why. We just need to know who he said he is. How big and how great he is was the explanation that Job needed to hear. And our lives have not changed. We don't need to know the whys. We don't need to know the whos. We don't need to know the wheres. We don't need to know the whats. We need to know how big is God How holy is God? It was a trust me, Job, because I take Leviathan and I play with him like a bird. It was trust me, Job, because I say to the sea, stop here, and it obeys. Does it do that to you? 
or does it ruin your sandcastle? It was a trust me, Joe, because I ride the clouds with my chariot just to have a fun time. Can you do that? We were kind of talking about this in the group last week. Not totally, but it's where my thoughts were going, and you can't ever tell like where they're going to end, and so I don't really ever know what we actually talked about or what I just like kind of kept trailing to, because that's just kind of how my mind works. But we were talking about that verse. Remember last week, like, like um, nobody is weaned, and you read this. No, I'm illiterate. You read this. No, I can't. It was like same excuse after excuse after excuse when God hands us a scroll today. No, no, I can't because I, I don't know the context. I don't know the historical. No, I can't because I'm illiterate. I don't have time. There was no one weaned and no one literate that God was trying to hand the scroll to. But they should have been. And I just imagined him saying, but I have this to say. Who can I say this to? Who can I tell this to? We have got women to walk in maturity. Not walking in how we feel. Not walking in what we think. Not walking in how things worked out last time. But walking in who is this God, and what does his word say about him? I struggle with fear. I'll just be honest. And it just plain drives me the stink crazy that I still struggle with this dumb fear. It's been since, like, I was little. I mean, I remember being scared of aliens. I've been scared of bears. I've been scared of panthers, snakes, Muslims. I've been scared of anything in the entire world. My shadow, the darkness, losing my children, Walking naked in a place. I mean, you name it. Like, I've been afraid of it. And I just thought after that, after we were talking in group, were we talking about that? I don't know. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, maybe, or maybe I'll just think about it. Um, and I was thinking about it after I was at home, and, and I kind of got scared of something because Jason shows me these news articles. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have Fox News flashed up on my cell phone for a reason, so I don't need to see yours when it pops up and the whole world is about to cave in and die. I don't want to see that. And I just thought, I was taking a shower and scrubbing my hair, and I just thought, you know what, fear, I am so done with you. All the places God says, do not fear. Do not fear. It has to be a choice. It doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like something that you're like intertwined with and it has to happen. But it's a choice. And I just thought, I'm so tired of being the unweaned baby with no fear or with fear. All week long, every time fear crept in, I said, you know what? I'm eating steak and you're not welcome here. God says, don't be afraid of sudden terror. He says it'll be a sanctuary. I'm like a 37-year-old nursing. It's like I watch the news. (laughs) Things happen. Same thing with gossip. Not like a, oh, did you see what she did gossip? But a like, go home to Jason. You'll never believe what she said to me. And I was so sad and it hurt my feelings. And Oh my goodness, get over yourself, Christy Duff. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that when you know that that person is a treasure of God, that you would even dare to say anything. When you know you've done far worse than what they said you did, that you would even dare to get upset. I'm like, but she said, I just need to nurse. And, and you know, 
I thought about this, and we asked each other, oh, sweet baby, how long did you nurse them for? Oh, until they were so-and-so age. I don't want anybody to ask God, how long did you nurse Christy for? Until she was like 58, my goodness. (laughs) I don't want to nurse anymore. We have everything that we need for a life in godliness. Every verse, every scripture, every promise to not be who we are today. Everything that we need. No more nursing. You're done. Do you understand? No more. Go get your baby food. You make your way to the stake. No more nursing. God is holy. If you're like actually nursing a baby, go ahead and finish. But no more us nursing. He needs us not to be nursing any longer. We know who he is. We have his promises. We have his word. We just need to recognize it. Say it, claim it. Those like name it and claim it people, they can't have that word anymore. We have to claim the promises of God, not so that we can get a Ferrari, but so that we can walk in no fear, no gossip, no lying, no adultery, but in the freedom that our holy and high and exalted God has given us. Have we learned to run to God first? And to teach others to as well. You know, there's so many women who are mature in the Lord, years and years and years old in the Lord, who still run to their mentors, run to their people, which is fine. We should have people to pray with. Ask Debbie Bryson. I call her regularly. We should have that. But here's the deal. Do we run to God first? And have we become the mentors as well? God doesn't need nurses. He needs nurses. He needs those who will take his word, own it, and be steak eaters. He wants to explain to us the trigonometry of our faith, and we're still having a hard time distinguishing between twos and fives. He has so much to give us, but it can only change when we take him for who he says he is, put his word into play, and live it out with him as the high, holy, and exalted God that's lifted up. You know, whenever um, we talk about Isaiah, so often we point out that, you know, it was when King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw God. But I was just thinking this week, but it was when Isaiah saw God that his life was changed forever. He was never the same again. His ministry changed, his words changed, his actions changed. How we need to see God high, holy, and magnified. One of my favorite verses this week was the Isaiah chapter 40. I think maybe it was on day three. But verse 12 through 27, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as a counselor has taught him, with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him the path of justice, who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as the small dust of the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. And he goes on to say, have you not heard? Have you not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth that it is he who sits above the circle of the earth? 
goes on to say he created these things. He brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. The nations are a drop in the bucket and as dust to him. Things that are unfathomably huge and impossible to handle are as unbelievably and small and easy to control to him. He lifts the aisles like it's nothing to him. That's amazing. And at first I was thinking about that verse and I almost wrote down, he lifts it like a barbell. But then I thought, no, because I can't lift a barbell like it's nothing to me. I can't even lift like one of those three pound little weights as it's nothing to me. What can I lift that's nothing? A Q-tip. A Q-tip doesn't feel like nothing. He lifts the islands Like, we lift a Q-tip. Like, excuse me, Hawaii. Hang on just a second. Okay, there you go. You're back. Do we not know, Isaiah said? Have you not heard? Have you not been told from the beginning? Well, we have. We know it. We've heard it. We've been told from the beginning. But often we live like we don't understand it. He sits above the circle of the earth. He can blow us away, literally or physically. And he calls all the stars by name. I can hardly call you by name. And, you know, I'll meet somebody and I'll know their name. But then a week goes by and they change clothes and hairstyles. And I just kind of think we should have church uniforms and like a no changing your hair roll, especially if you cut your own bangs. No, don't do that. But he knows the stars, every star by name. He hasn't lost or misplaced one. I'm so glad I'm not God. Especially when you think of the fact that I made Jason go to the library and pay my fine last week because I haven't been able to find a book in two months. And I don't want the librarian to know my face. And so I sent Jason in to pay my like $30 fine because I can't find this American Girl book. I think it's my grandma. I think she took it. Um, But he knows us. Do we know him? Because it's not a question of does the holy, high, and exalted God know us tonight. It's a question of how much of the holy, high, and exalted God do we know tonight. I used to love laying on the floor of my great-grandma's room in Fresno. And, you know, aside from the fact that it was all shaggy carpet and that's so fun to lay in. Because, you know, when you're young, you don't think about things like dust mites and how old is this carpet and what year did it have to be put in to be orange and, you know, things like that that we think of now. And I used to love laying on the floor of my great-grandma's room because she would sit there in her chair, and she was 93 when she went to heaven, and, and she would sit there like to the day she died. She would sit there and she would read. And she had one of those, I don't even know if they still have them, but those big giant magnifying glasses that would like connect to the desk, and you know, you bring it, and you would put it, do they still make those? Yes, okay, I didn't know if everything was like, could just make it bigger. So, so she would bring that over and, and she would, have you ever done that to a book? I've totally been reading one time and like tried to make it bigger. Anyway, so off the point. So she would bring this magnifying glass over and I used to love just laying on the floor because her eye was huge (laughs) with that thing. And, and I don't know what she was reading, but I was just like, That's amazing. It's like my favorite toy. How we need that perspective of God. 
How we need that because he is huge. And you know what magnifies him? Praise. You know what magnifies him? Keeping track of the blessings that he's done in our lives. We need to magnify God by praise. God, you're holy. You're good. You're exalted. Every time he ever moved on behalf of a king, it was when that king began his prayer with, God, you are great. You are vast. We are as grasshoppers in your sight. We need to magnify God. So I have two things for you. Oh, is it really 728? Don't look at the clock, Debbie. Um, two things for you. One, if you're married, I want you to go home, and I want you to make a magnify your husband list. Some kind of jar, some kind of list, a deck of cards, and I want you to give it to him for Valentine's Day. Because I guarantee we are more blessed in this room with our husbands than we think that we are right now. So go home and make a list of how blessed you are. Whether you're married or not, of the most importance, go home and make a list of the things that God has done. An ongoing list. A list that doesn't end. A list that doesn't stop. A list that forgets not his benefits. A list that records the parking spaces. The jackets, the shirts on sale, the things that why in the world would a holy and high and exalted God even care to care about? And yet he does. It will change your life forever. I love that old hymn written in 1897. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We are so blessed. Now I have one more thing to say that has nothing to do with the study, but God put it on my heart. As you know, we were just talking in group and I was praying for you girls as you were doing Isaiah and, and, um, I just so badly, it's like, it's like having a friend that you can't wait for your other friend to meet. You know, you're just, oh, you're just going to love him. And I feel like Isaiah is my best friend and I just can't wait for you to meet Isaiah because you're just going to love him. And, and I thought, Something that God put on my heart years and years ago that I had totally forgotten about. And really like reading, reading a book in the Bible that you're not super familiar with is like going to a new church or a new school or a new place. And you kind of walk in and everybody's already in the middle of their own thing. You know, everybody knows each other, and you don't know names, and the names sound funny, and you don't know why they look like that, and you don't know why they're saying that, and it just seems so weird and unfamiliar. But then you know how it is. As you keep going to church, as you get plugged in, pretty soon you love that church. Those people that you knew nothing about, they're your friends, and you love them. Those people who you were thinking, why should she laugh like that? Why should she say that? What kind of name is that? Suddenly you're like, oh, this, I love these people. They're my family. That's how it is with reading the word of God. You walk in, it's kind of like already all going on. You don't know what place you're in. The names all sound funny. But can I just encourage you girls to stick with it? Because if you stick with it, the more familiar you'll become with it. And the more you will just love this book of Isaiah. And approach any book of the Bible like that. Approach it with, you put this in here for me to understand. I'm so excited 
for you girls and what God wants to say through the book of Isaiah. So Lord, we just thank you that you are holy and high and exalted and you have blessed us in ways beyond measure. And God, would you make us recorders of that? Would you make us recorders so that we would forget not and that we would be the ones who cry, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.